think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 382 of Low Limit Football on this 5th of March, 2023. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight there are signs that the apocalypse is upon us as Chelsea Football Club score only their fourth goal of the calendar year and win their first match in almost two months, defeating Leeds 1-0. 38-year-old Giorgio Chiellini scores his first MLS goal, shooting LAFC out to a 3-0 lead over Portland, only to see the defending champs hold on for a 3-2 season-opening victory. We're going to discuss MLS and much, much more with our very special guest, Mr. Jason Longshore, the voice of Atlanta United from 92.9 The Game and the host of Soccer Down Here, who will be joining us in just a bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. What's going on, my man? I'm well, Joe. I'm well. Certainly, we're finally into a new month. Hard to believe we're already in March. Um, and, you know, I think, obviously, we're, we've been so kind of used to the World Cup just a couple of months ago. But you have to remember, this month, we get an international break. Hard to believe it. Uh, but, yeah, doing well, obviously. We saw some really dramatic wins the other day. Um, we saw what Arsenal were able to do and, and kind of flex their muscles and, and hopefully understanding that, hey, these guys are for real. If they want to win the Premier League, we saw some history being broken in France and, man, and hard to believe it. Chelsea finally win a game, although I fear that <laughs> that Fofana goal might be the only goal that Chelsea score this entire uh, month. If that's the case, then congrats to him winning the the goal of the month for March yeah. at Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. That was, like you said, you know, Arsenal left it very, 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 literally very late. last kick. It was the last kick of the game. Yeah, and uh, and and I'm trying to think of who scored the goal. I, I saw it. Reese uh, Nelson. Thank you. And uh, but but the time that he got on the ball to to just like literally just square up and shoot was like it was it was bad defending um, in my opinion. But again, champions find a way to win, right? They find a way to win those matches, and and uh, obviously Arsenal did that this weekend. We saw that. Um, it, it's just uh, you know it, it's been a it's been a wild ride. It's it's amazing. It's been three months um, since the World yeah. Cup is over. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you know about this, but t 
today was one year I, I was thinking I was reflecting back on this really you know it was um one year ago today that you and I met Pablo Zabaleta in mm. uh, in New York City and uh, and I always think back to that day because uh you know there was a line of people to to meet him get his autograph and everything and then Pablo was pulled away from the line because he had to have a, a big interview with a very important uh, football journalist in the United States, and that was Grant Wall. Um, and I and I and I mentioned that to Grant when we did our preview. So it was something I was thinking about uh, that today was a year ago today that that happened. Um, I, you know, I wanted to just pass along two more quick little things. Um, the goal that we talked about in the intro, uh, Giorgio Chiellini scores his first MLS goal at 38 years old, uh, dedicated it to Davide Astori, uh, which I thought was a, an incredible gesture and, and obviously somebody that Chiellini played with on the national team and, and I'm sure, you know, misses him greatly. So, um, and I want to wish uh, a happy 12th birthday to Will Cordero, uh, apparently my, my biggest fan. Um, so I just wanted to pass that along quickly. So let's, um, let's jump into the show proper. I know we've got Jason coming up here in a few minutes. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about a trivia question, my friend. It is your honor this week. So, uh, if you'd lay it on me. So we had some history happen over the weekend. The, the history that I mentioned in France in the beginning was Kylian Mbappe, who it's hard to believe. This guy was only at the club, I think it's been like five years that he's played there, and he's already PSG's all-time top goal scorer. He became PSG's all-time top goal scorer when he scored his 201st goal for PSG in their 4-2 win against Nantes. The man that he broke, the record that he broke from, was from Edison Cavani, who had his... Um, record of being PSG's all-time top goal scorer back on January 27, 2018 in a 4-0 win against Montpellier where he surpassed Zlatan Ibrahimovic's record for his 157th goal of uh, at PSG. So my question to you is, I'm looking at the lineups of both uh, of that PSG game when they won 4-0 and mm-hmm. my question to you is how many players in the in this match are still at the club today. From when, I just need a number. From when Cavani broke the record. Yep, and that includes the lineups and the substitutes. Even the players that didn't play. There are a few players that have played in in the, that were part of that PSG side that were available to play okay. or have played. Okay. So my question to you is, of those players that were on that squad for that 4-0 win in the game that Cavani broke his record, wow. how many of them? I just need a number are still at the club today. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm I'm just going through my brain just trying to think of who would have been there um cuz I know that 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 club has been pretty um changed. I mean, I I know Mbappe would be one of them, obviously, because well, um, was Mbappe one of them? You don't know. You don't know. Can't, yeah, I'm not saying anything. I have to think about it. So, all yeah, right. yeah, yeah, not well, saying anything. Well, let's you know, we'll we'll get you that answer at the end of the show. Couldn't have been as easy as who did, whose record did he break? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, we'll get you that answer at the end of the show. Let's get into opening thoughts. And opening thoughts is just you and I looking back on the first two weeks here of the MLS season. We haven't really spent a whole heck of a lot of time on it. I know you and I. Did discuss MLS a little bit when we were with Jason Davis on SiriusXM, but uh, just you know, ju- and just to give you the quick little rundown as to um, where the standings stand right now, I-, I know that you and I were looking at the schedule because with the um, with the introduction of Apple TV, we see a lot of uh, Saturday matches and we don't see a lot of uh, Sunday matches, which is 
an interesting thing that I think we're going to talk to Jason uh, about coming up in a bit. But uh, leading the way after just you know two match days so far, we've got the Seattle Sounders uh, have been perfect. I mean, literally perfect. Uh, they're two wins, no losses, no draws, no goals conceded, six points. They lead the West currently. Uh, uh, Jordan Morris is currently leading all scores in MLS with three goals as well. Uh, so he scored half of Seattle's goals. We see St. Louis City up there unde- unbeaten as well um, at six points. Uh, the, the expansion side really getting off to a great start. And we're going to talk about their their fortune uh, so far. Uh, looking over at the Eastern Conference, the Revs, you know, had a really a down season last year. They are looks like they're bouncing back. Uh, two wins, they're perfect as well. No goals conceded, uh, six points. They're also joined at the top of the table by Inter Miami, who hold the exact same record: uh, two goals. I'm sorry, two wins, uh, four goals, nothing conceded. Uh, they're looking pretty good right now. Some of the, I guess, let's call them disappointments right now. You know, I'm going to start with Charlotte. Uh, they did start pretty brightly, although you know. We joked about the change in the MLS playoff setup. Now, Charlotte would have been that ninth team coming in. Um, they're currently on, you know, two losses to start. Only uh, scored one goal. They pretty much gave St. Louis City the win on the weekend. The Red Bull, the Red Bull haven't found the back of the net yet. They've uh, they've only conceded one goal though, but uh, but still only one point so far. NYCFC uh, have not looked that great so far. Orlando City. Um, stalwarts in the back haven't conceded a goal, but have only scored one goal as well. Looking up at the, um, at the Western conference, uh, Colorado Rapids have not scored a goal yet, um, but have conceded four. So you wonder about what's going on there. Uh, they did manage a draw against sporting KC on the weekend, uh, nil, nil, but again, uh, you know, they haven't scored a goal and sporting KC have not scored a goal yet either, but only conceded one goal. Um, you know, Roberto, I, I, you know, we also look at the champs who just started out this weekend, uh, in the opening monologue, got off to a three nil lead over the Portland Timbers only to give up, uh, you know, give up the lead in that matchup, uh, goals in the, uh, in the first half by, uh, Giorgio Chiellini, they had a Carlos Vela penalty and then opened quickly in the second half with an Opoku, uh, goal. And then, uh, and then 62nd minute, Evander scores for uh, the Portland Timbers. We also had uh, Paredes score in the 84th minute to kind of give us the old squeaky bum time. Um, but ultimately, you know, L.A., 3-2 victors, uh, gotten off to a good start here, you know, opening the season. What are your thoughts so far overall on, uh, on the first two match days? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's, it would be harsh or, or even arrogant to really say that any team could seem a bit more better than the other in just two games it's impossible i mean yeah it's it's always been that case but i think you're starting to see you know really just you know the the kind of the favorites really like start to separate themselves and you know you have those sides like seattle lafc and and philly that maybe aren't off to the best of starts but you know they're still going to get strong within the within the season the same goes for la for nycfc who've only had one point um and so i think yeah, LA Galaxy as well, you know, with no points. I think they're going to get strong and they're going to be among the teams to win MLS Cup. But I think it's it's always the type of games, and, and I'm curious that what we're going to talk about with Jason is just how we have been able to now see a, a schedule that is a bit more spread out. And that's something that I think could be to an advantage to a lot of these teams, especially considering that they're going to be playing in in CONCACAF Champions League and, and many other tournaments as well. I think there is that level of a parity that I think has always been a case at MLS. I think that's always been something that we've always, in a way, I think I like it. I like it personally. Like, yeah, you talk about there being a lot, a lot of teams and whatnot. 
But I do like the parody, how maybe one team who were blown away by someone last year might not be a strong one this year, you know. So I think I like that end. So I think my early impressions are that we're starting to see kind of teams really demonstrate themselves better than the others. Yeah. But like I said, I think it's it's way too early to really pinpoint an actual team to to be amongst the fans. I still see, like for me, like if I'm going to make a prediction that I think could win MLS Cup, I'm still going for LAFC right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's difficult for teams to to repeat as champions, but I just think that when you look at the quality that they have and kind of what they've been doing, especially you know under a manager like Steve Trundolo, I think they really are um, a side that I think is better than the rest. Yeah, you still have the Philadelphia Union with Jim Curtin, and you still have other teams that are going to, to challenge, but I just think they are going to be the ones that are going to be the ones that separate among the rest. I mean, I don't know what you personally think, but... I'm 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 excited. I think it'll be a very interesting season. Yeah, you know, I I think I, I think a couple of the teams. We sometimes we see this, you know, this cyclical, you know, back and forth for teams. You know, you you look at the, the hot start New England Revolution have gotten out to. Um, you know, and that's a team that you know a couple of years ago was challenging for that MLS Cup. Uh, you know, that title as well. I I want to say two years ago that they won the uh, Supporter Shield. You know, it's and that's a team that is going to be tough. I, we talk about LAFC from two years ago. They, you know. Their inaugural season, they they ran right up to almost the finals, um, and then they had a step back, and then they a step forward again. So I think the I think we're going to see a challenge out of the Revolution. Um, whereas you know Philly will definitely be there if they're talented enough. You know they got a guy like Andre Blake between the pipes there. It's it's they're talented. They're they're going to do well, um, and they'll be in the playoffs for sure. I would I would almost bet my house on that. Uh, and and Jim Curtin knows how to get the best out of that team, like you said. I think watching the revolution is going to be interesting. Um, I'm curious to see how Inter Miami handle, you know, they've gotten out to a great start here as well. Um, onto that front foot, uh, Hani Mukhtar at, uh, at Nashville uh, seems to be playing well to start. And, and that was another, you know, he's the MLS uh, MVP last year. So we'll have to look at them. And and you wonder about Columbus, right? Um, the, the crew have, have gotten off the, uh, the losing record here. They did win on the weekend. Um, you saw Zellerion have a great match this weekend as well. So that's another team that I would keep an eye out for. Um, I'm not convinced of DC United yet. I'm not convinced of Toronto FC yet, which, you know, that's the one, you know, I've got to see their first match. I didn't see much of their second match, but yeah, you know, I, and I, and I'm, I'm not a, a big Michael Bradley fan, but I don't know if you've gotten to see him play so far. It looks like the speed of the game has finally caught up to him. And uh, and, and you see him, you know, doing less and less. And, and now is Michael Bradley um, going to get benched by Bob Bradley? You know, you have to ask yourself that question. Is there is something going to happen there to make a change? I mean, they're, they're getting everything from, from Bernardeschi that they can. Lorenzo Insigne is injured currently, but uh, but I think on his way back. You've got to see if there's going to be a rebound from Atlanta United as well, right? They they lose Joseph Martinez. They send him away. Um, they basically reformulate that club. Let's see what they can do with it. Um, you know, again, the Portland Timbers, you know, you have, a, you have a lot of heart, right? They come back and they, they fight back to uh, to get within one goal of the defending champions to, in their opening match. That's going to be a team to watch. I, you know, St. Louis City so far, and this is another one I want to talk about with Jason as well. St. Louis City is um, the expansion side. You never expect an expansion side to do well. We, we saw Charlotte last year, 
you know, we didn't expect a lot out of them. They, they set the record for the, the, the biggest crowd, um, which apparently is going to get broken in El Trafico coming up soon. But, uh, but we saw that, you know, we saw some highlights from them, some low lights as well. St. Louis have been gifted a lot of goals. We see a lot of people tweeting it. We saw it even on this weekend. You know, can they sustain that? I, I'm not convinced. So I feel like the Sounders, I feel like the LAFC, um, I, you know, Austin FC had a great season last year. Can they repeat that? We're going to have to see if Josh Wolf is, is up to the task of leading those guys forward as well. So those are the teams that I'm going to I'm going to pin on the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference again. The usual suspects, Philly, New England, uh, we're, we're going to keep an eye on, uh, you know, we're going to keep an eye on Inter Miami because they've gotten off to a great start. But can Toronto turn this around? Can any of the New York teams turn turn their season around a little bit? I'll, you know, NYCFC did not look very convincing um, in their first two matches so far. So is is that a team that might be on the downslide? And, and we're talking about them rising back up next season. We'll have to see. But that's that's where I feel we're at right now as the initial early litmus test of MLS right now is I think we have our usual suspects. We have some of our, our better teams that maybe had off seasons last year returning to the fold. And I feel like you're seeing a couple of teams take a step back. I want to ask you, Roberto, one question um, before we kind of cut off here and, and uh, see if we can get Jason in here. Um, comments from Ricky Pooch this week about him wanting to win everything. He wants to win MLS Cup. He wants to win Supporter Shield. He wants to win all these different titles. Uh, not getting off to the greatest of starts for the LA Galaxy this weekend in uh, in their initial 1-0 loss. I'm sorry, 3-1 loss to FC Dallas. Jesus Ferrer with a brace in that one. Um, do you think Richie, Ricky Pooch understands what's going on in MLS in terms of, of his ability to change a game? Because he, he was not very present in this weekend's matchup. Um, is he trying to take on too much? I think is what I'm trying to ask you. Do you think that he's trying to take on too much for this LAFC? I'm sorry, for the LA galaxy side, uh, moving forward. And do you think maybe it's a bridge too far for him to, uh, to, to manage? I mean, you always want to achieve the best. I mean, that's always something that's a, a main objective. So I, I get where he's getting at. But yeah, I think it's it really is. It's very difficult to really compete, especially because when we also consider that there are issues, and I personally am not really a big fan of it, but like how squads are supposed to be rotated and, and whatnot. I think there is that issue. But no, I mean, I, I don't blame him for his... For his optimist, his optimism in, in wanting to do something like that. But again, it's a long season. Yeah. It really is. You still have League Cup, U.S. Open Cup. Like I said, it's you're dealing with the. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. It's it's really a not really a small squad at LAFC, but you know, I'm sorry, LA Galaxy. But it's uh, I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's it's confusing these days. But yeah, I, I think it's I think as long as they're able to to manage it properly and mm-hmm. you know i think that's up to greg banny to to make that choice and i would trust him in wanting the best for his players but i think when you have someone that ricky Poo, who's gonna be a, a starter like most of the most of the season if not all i think you need to understand that there are going to be decisions that are going to be probably against him and, and wanting the best for his team and, and teams will get better you yeah. know this like there, there's someone's someone might have a, a rough a rough patch some teams might get lucky i mean that it, it happens all the time so mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, I i admire his optimism but it's it's going to be so difficult really yeah no chicharito this weekend uh in the matchup um you know they got the goal from dejan jovalich uh the 23 year old 
Serbian. And uh, yeah, I mean, right now this is a team that's still, you know, struggling with some injuries and some, like you said, it's not very deep at the moment. So when they, when they get some of these players back, I think they'll, they'll probably look a little better, but you know, how soon does that happen? How, how, how quickly can they do that? Because as these matches get away from them, um, you know, they're not going to be able to catch up as quickly as you'd hope. So we'll have to see. So let's, um, let's table our discussion and let's get our, let's, you know, let's attempt to get our guest in here. So, uh, without further ado, the Jason Longshore interview and joining us now on low limit football from 92.9, the game, Jason Longshore, Jason, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you on. I want to open with a quick general question about the MLS schedule. Um, Roberto and I were kind of going over it quickly and we noticed that, uh, that, that Sunday early dinner time time slot that we always saw for MLS throughout the years has been eliminated uh, for the most part that most of the matches are pretty much on Saturdays, unless there are a few exceptions here and there. Um, is that a function of Apple TV and the new contract? Uh, is it, you know, where does that come from? And do you think it's a good thing for MLS uh, in general to set up a new schedule like that? I think in general, first off, thanks for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime you need me, love, love chatting with you guys. Um, I think in general, it is an Apple TV thing, and I think it's a it's a balancing act because some people liked the idea, and, and we saw some leagues do this during the pandemic when you didn't have fans in the stands, so they were trying to spread the games out entirely, so everything got televised, you could sit and watch everything. MLS, really by the nature of its kind of slipshod television uh, in the past, was all over the place in terms of time slots. You didn't know when games would be off the top of your head. It could be Saturday at one o'clock. It could be Sunday at one o'clock. It could be late. It could be on a Thursday. It was all over the place. What Apple did, because you get out of the TV slot business and you're then in a scheduling format, like back in the day, like how the premier league has traditional slots that have now been added to because of TV but you know when games are, are going to be. The NFL, I think, is the prime example where you know Sunday's at 1, Sunday's a second game, 4.15 now, and they've added on to it. They added Monday Night Football in the 70s. They added the Sunday night. Now they're adding the Thursday, which is a little silly. But anyway, like TV's going to drive a lot of the stuff, um, and even non-traditional television like Apple is. I like the idea that everything is is – Fairly understood in terms of games are going to be Saturday nights. Games are going to be Wednesday nights uh, at different points during the season. There's a few that are separate. I know Atlanta United's got a Sunday game coming up in in April uh, early with Charlotte next week. So you will have a little bit of variety. But I think the idea was to give fans a little more regularity in terms of when games would be. There's people who liked it the old way in terms of having those slots of of just games being different times. So you could have like different weekend schedules if you go to games, if you bring kids to games, et cetera, et cetera. Other fans like the idea that it's Saturday night, 730. That's what I know I can plan around. So I don't think you can please everybody. Um, I like where it is right now because of the consistency, and I do like what Apple's doing with the 360 show, the the whip around show. I think that's going to end up being a big deal for fans of a team who maybe haven't been a fan of the league because that can suck them in just like the Red Zone channel did for the NFL. 
Sure. Uh, and you bring up a, a couple of good points, but one follow-up question that I want to ask you yeah. is Saturday versus Sunday. Um, you know, especially looking at the time slots is, uh, with the crossover of ownership between many of the, uh, many of the MLS teams being owned by NFL owners, is there a crossover where rather than go head to head with the NFL later in the season, when we're starting to get to that playoff push, uh, you know, rather than going head to head with the NFL, they're going to go head to head with college football. Do you think that had anything to do with it as well? That's a good question. I, I wonder if that did factor into the decision. I don't know. Um, I don't think it would have. I, I, I don't. I think Saturday night generally would be seen as the better slot to work around for the entire year. Um, I don't know. Like Sunday afternoons would have been interesting. And I know like some leagues historically around the world have traditionally played on Sundays and then they added the Saturday game day. So I don't know. It's it, that's interesting. Um it would create some issues in a few stadiums for sure. Uh, and, and Atlanta's one of those. I don't think that was a number one factor, but perhaps maybe it did. I, I don't know if, if Saturday gives them other scheduling benefits, you know, that, that Sunday would not. Um, I, I would, you know, thinking about it a little bit, I, I do like the idea once you get into the consistency of this is our game slot. Okay, maybe then breaking out. And I know you do a little bit with time zones. So you have the West Coast games at 1030 Eastern, but 730 local. I would love to see a game broken out as a game of the week. And and maybe that's a, a next year or a year three sort of thing with Apple. And maybe that is a Sunday. I've always felt like Friday night would be a, a really good kickoff to the weekend as the game of the week. And treat it like the NFL has done with their Sunday night now, used to be Monday night, as the showcase game of the week. And and you're going to have to schedule out. You're going to have to take some guesses on who those teams would be. That would be a nice addition to it. And and I think give them that little bit of exclusivity and alter the, the time slots a little bit. So, Jason, just looking now into what we're seeing on the pitch, I mean, certainly I think it's so early to say, and we said in our opening thoughts about a team standing out because, you know, I think you can't judge a team how good or how bad they are after two games. But having said that, you're going to have always your your top favorites like LAFC, Philadelphia Union, obviously the two teams that went to the MLS Cup final last year, you know, teams like NYCFC, Seattle. LA Galaxy being up there, Atlanta United, of course, we'll get to them in a bit. But like, what are some of the storylines that you're interested in looking at this season, especially now with another new team in, in St. Louis? And, and just really what is at stake for many of these teams and how their season's going to, to be prevailed? Yeah, you mentioned St. Louis, and, and that's one of the big storylines for me, and especially their home opener against Charlotte, where they went 3-1. And it's just an incredible atmosphere at City Park. And they're going to be a team to watch. They're going to be a team that has an identity straight out of the gate. And you think back to so many expansion teams that have come in and, and not really known what that would look like. That's improved over the years. Atlanta had an identity when they came in. LAFC had an identity when they came in. Austin did, too. Um, it just took them a little bit longer to build it. Um, but Cincinnati didn't, for example. And I think Charlotte kind of did and then made the quick change from Miguel Angel Ramirez. And, and maybe they're still trying to find that true identity. St. Louis, they walk in the door. They're going to be a very German, gag-and-pressing, Red Bull-slash-Philly-ish kind of team. And they've won their first two games. And that's very difficult to do as, as a brand-new team. Um, 
I think Austin is a storyline because of that loss to St. Louis in week one. They did bounce back with a win in week two. LAFC, obviously, as the defending champs, but no Gareth Bale going forward. No uh, Christian Arango either. So what does the number nine position look like for them long term? Or do they already have it in house? Because they have a great game one after their official game one was postponed. That would have been huge. The El Trafico to start the season at the Rose Bowl. It's going to be, I think, maybe even bigger on July 4th. But as an opening weekend game, that would have been uh, insanity. Um, New York City, and I think because of the situation where they've had a huge overhaul from 2021, and some of that you knew was going to happen, like Tati Castellanos. But then this year, really this week, they get players back. They, they get Santi Rodriguez back. They get James Sands back. And what was looking a little, not bleak, but a, a little, little bit of, okay, how is this going to fit, and how good are they going to be this year? Now you add those two players to your starting lineup and, and you're saying, well, this is a team you have to look at in the Eastern Conference now. Uh, Miami's going to be a storyline because I think Miami really has been a story since day one in the league of a big glamour kind of franchise that hasn't quite had that on the field yet, but is heading in the right direction. Uh, I think Phil Neville has done a very, very good job as the manager down there. And then you're always going to have that talk about uh, number 10, Lionel Messi and Miami. So that's going to continue until Messi decides what he's going to do next. That's what I, I love about where MLS is right now compared to previous years. That's a lot of stories. That's a lot of different things to to jump into. And that's that's just like top level. That's not even going a step lower and talking about Luchi Gonzalez and San Jose, Seattle with Joel Paulo back. And they've looked really good so far in the first couple of weeks. There's so many storylines in this league right now that it, it's a really interesting time to follow it. And I, I think that's only going to continue to improve just one as teams get better and better. But two, as as the, the conversation around the league continues to improve and deepen, it's a really good time. For MLS, and and I think it's getting better every year. And uh, and we can only hope that, of course, with this new TV deal, it opens yeah. even more eyeballs to to more people here, uh, not just in the United States, but also around the world. Yeah, obviously, that's the key. That is absolutely so. Obviously, focusing on Atlanta United, you know, you know, as someone who obviously follows the team, you know, here we are, a new season after not making the playoffs last year under head coach Gonzalo Pineda. You know, I think one of the big storylines that they're going to be focused on is, of course, the departure of. Joseph Martina, you know, someone who has had such a big, big uh, impact on that team. Now we see a side that has, you know, brought in a lot of players. Obviously, the main striker in this case is Jacomancas from from Celtic. But we've also seen from these two games that, you know, goals can come from other people, not just from uh, someone like like him, but also from Thiago Almada, who obviously comes in as a World Cup winner. You know, the first MLS player to do it. You know, we saw him in the opening game you know, get that really interesting uh, performance right in the last few minutes, scoring in, not in stoppage time against the San Jose Earthquakes and, and obviously getting the 1-1 draw against Toronto FC yesterday. So what have you been assessing and what can you assess from this Atlanta United side this season? And, and really just kind of the expectations, especially when you see a side with a bunch of overhaul, um, you know, in this in this team. Yeah, I think the expectations are playoffs and a, a top seed in the playoffs um, because it's going to take a little bit of time for this to build. And some of that's just the nature of what an MLS offseason can look like. 
Uh, Garth Lagerway, new president, new CEO, he's talked about the strategy a little bit. They wanted to to clean the the salary cap up a, a little bit. Got to remember, you had had Frank DeBoer in 2019, 2020, midway through, and, and 2020 was was chaotic, as we all know, with the global pandemic and and league stopping, and and in Atlanta it was chaotic because of the Joseph Martinez injury. So you're you're having to try to figure that out. You add some pieces in, some work, some don't. Then you add Gabriel Heinze. That only lasted half a season. I think the adjustment for him to MLS was a difficult one, and and not just the on the field. I think just the the nature of the club, the size of the club. You're still dealing with the pandemic a little bit there as well in early 2021, and it just never settled for Heinze. I, I think he's a great coach. I, I think he can be a top manager. He's got learning to do, and, and I think going to clubs like the size of Atlanta United, it, it's there's a lot of things off the field to do that he struggled with because I don't think he had been asked to do those before. So Heinze brought pieces in that he wanted. Then he's not here. So that salary cap, and that's the, the challenge of MLS, is when you add players for managers and managers don't stay long-term, then you've got some mismatched parts, potentially. And I think Atlanta ended up with a few of those. Good players. Marcelino Moreno is a player that I've I've loved watching over the years here in Atlanta. But when you added Tiago Almada, that puts Moreno out of his best position. I think Moreno is best suited to be a 10. Um, and you build around that. Almada, you have to play there. You have to play him there. There's just no question about it. So... That then you're trying to fit Moreno in as a winger. It doesn't really work. So he's been loaned out. Um, maybe he comes back. Maybe not, depending on if Cortiba makes that a permanent deal. Ezequiel Barco, kind of the, the same thing. Like last year, you're, you're trying to figure out the pieces and where they can fit. You're going to build the team last year around Thiago Almada. And it took him maybe six months to get the league. I always think back to what Maradona said about going to Serie A. And I think how he said it took him a year, took him a season to almost like recalibrate his body and recalibrate his game to the speed of the game, to the style of the game, to the physicality of the game to be his best. Because he didn't want to change his game and play differently because that then doesn't make him who he is. But he had to adjust. I think Almada needed to adjust. And, and the first six months or so last year, you could see it starting to, to come together in this league how he could dominate it. And I thought the second half of last year he did. I thought he was the best player in the league, second half of last year. And then he gets the opportunity at the World Cup and with Argentina, and he's come back as a, a more confident player. It's not that he lacked confidence before, but you go through what you did to win that World Cup and be part of that squad and, and watch it up close. Yeah, you probably feel like you can walk on water a little bit. And we're seeing that early this season. We saw it in preseason with Thiago Almada. He's taking on, it kind of reminds me of young Messi, and I'm not comparing the two in terms of players. I think Thiago's a, a wonderful player, maybe the best player that I, I've had the chance to watch live on a regular basis. Uh, but you watch how when Messi was young and, and Thiago now, they're not vocal guys. They're, they're not demonstrative leaders. But they lead because of their quality and the, the players around them defer to them because of their quality. You know, they don't have to, to beg for the ball. They don't have to, to point and demand for the ball to be played to them. They're going to get the ball because you want them on the ball. So Tiago is just an incredible. I'm just so lucky to get to, to call his games 
that that's the way I feel going to the stadium and it's definitely the way I felt last week and this past game as well because he has the assist on the goal he had some big opportunities he just does things in a game that are are just so incredibly impressive um I don't know how long he's going to be in Atlanta um not for a very long time there's just no way he's going to be at a top top club here soon uh hopefully at the end of the MLS season but if the summer comes calling and it's the right deal then then that's you got to do the right thing by the player and that's the that's maybe the the cloud that is down the horizon for Atlanta United as to what comes next but you have to enjoy him while he's here because I don't know all the great players that Major League Soccer has had over the years, and it's hard to compare eras and, and player-to-player, team-to-team. Tiago Almada might be the most talented player at this point in his career that Major League Soccer has ever had. Wow. And and that was, and that was it's funny because you, you must have ESP because I was going to ask you how long do you think he's going to stay for. Um, and obviously the answer is not long. And, and It can't and, be long. Yeah, it yeah. just can't be. He's, he's so good. Yep, absolutely. I wanna um I wanna close with uh with an Atlanta United question that I want to broaden out uh into the league in general. Uh Nico Kentor, I know everybody knows him, uh was tweeting recently about how he feels that if if there's an MLS side that can really focus on and kind of tighten up defensively, that that team is going to be one of the big favorites to win MLS Cup this year because he feels that none of the MLS sides right now have a strong defense. They can all score goals, but nobody can really provide that really that lockdown defense. Um, and I want to look at Atlanta United because Atlanta United, in in essance, added a new player. Uh, U.S. Men's National Team player Miles Robinson, who comes off of the Achilles injury. Uh, it's like bringing a fresh player on, and and certainly one of the better defensive players in MLS. Um, is he the piece that could give Atlanta United that defensive lockdown style that Nico is looking for? And if not, what what kind of teams do you see improving themselves defensively that maybe fit the the mold that uh, that Nico's talking about? That's a really interesting question, and it's something about the way that MLS as a league has maybe developed its own personality, its own character. And you're getting into the identities of the teams. It's a really interesting just thought exercise here because mm-hmm. let's start with it with Atlanta and, and the addition with Miles Robinson back, Brad Kazan back as well uh, from the Achilles. And, and what has shocked me about their return, both of them, they don't look like they're coming back from an Achilles rupture. And you always hope that's the case, but that injury, you truly don't know. Miles has looked like the Miles of 2021 and and very early 2022 that everyone thought was going to start at the World Cup. Um, he he's looked great. He's looked good on the ball. His his speed has been good. Um, I think one of the harder things that we always forget about these kinds of recoveries is you have that physical side. Obviously, you have the mental side of it being out so long and having to fight through it and fight through the recovery. But getting the soccer rhythm back, and it's different for a goalkeeper versus a center back, but just getting that that rhythm of decision-making back of, you know, got a ball played over the top. Can I get there? Can I not get there? You know, do I go? Do I sit? Um, dribbler coming at you if you're Miles Robinson. You, you know, do I, how do I shepherd him to the left, to the right? All those things that you take for granted when you're playing and training every day. When you don't do that for nine months, 
you have to rebuild that almost muscle memory. And I, I think we saw it maybe more, a little more with Brad in, in preseason, but he's made big saves, uh, big one last night, a couple big ones against San Jose. Miles has just been the steady guy that, that we're so used to seeing. And a couple times he's, he's opened up and made that, that long run using his pace to, to recover. They've both looked like the guys they were before the injury. So that's, that's amazing, first off. But when you get into teams that are lockdown defensive teams in this league, I don't know if anyone has truly, truly tried to embrace that kind of identity because I think there's really good defensive teams in the league. But the ones that are the, the top defensive teams, I think do it in more of that pressing, non-possession, we're going to give you the ball, but we're going to be disruptive to you style. Philadelphia is a prime example. Um, they went from being a little bit, you know, a, a little bit more of a 50-50 kind of team in terms of wanting the ball and how they played to fully embracing, I think, as Jim Curtin has talked about his evolution, fully embracing the pressing idea. And and everybody puts their spin on it. You know, Philly does it differently than Red Bulls. Cincinnati and St. Louis do it differently as well. But you have that as maybe the defensive model in the league, which is not a, to me, it's not a lockdown defensive team that's going to sit back, absorb pressure, hit you on the break. You have a few of those. Uh, Portland, I think, has kind of turned into that a little bit more over the years with Giovanni Savaresi. Orlando can default to that sometimes under Oscar Pereja, especially later in a season where they, they kind of sit back and they're more conservative. I don't think Atlanta will truly play that way. I, I I don't think Gonzalo Pineda embraces that way of playing. His his game model to me, and, and he would probably tell you differently, but the way that I see it and from conversations I've had with him, you have to kind of think back to Pep Guardiola at Barcelona and a team that wants to dominate the ball, and they're going to defend by having the ball a lot. That's one area. And also that immediate counterpress when you lose it. And that's something that I think Atlanta has improved from game to game so far this season. It's a huge point of Pineda's style about not dropping, not dropping that first line, turn the ball over in the attacking half, not dropping into the middle third, not creating a low block, but immediately trying to step and win the ball back. And that's what cost them against Toronto. They, they got a little overextended on that pressure. Uh, Michael Bradley picks out a pass. Bernardeschi is, is an incredibly talented player, and he gets the goal. So I think what you're seeing in MLS is the the sit-back defensive teams haven't been the strongest. It's And maybe it's because of the nature of the salary cap. Maybe it's because of how teams spend. You have so many talented attackers in this league. It's just hard to do that. I think what you're seeing, the, the best defensive teams are the ones who defend in the other team's half, whether it is a team like a Philadelphia that isn't concerned with having the ball but wants to just play long and impress you, or a team like Atlanta that wants the ball but then will counterpress to win it back immediately, and they defend with the ball. Philadelphia doesn't want the ball, but they press you and create turnovers and create chaos. Those are the best defensive teams in this league. I don't know if anybody will come in and commit the resources, flip the the salary structure to build a back line plus goalkeeper, maybe a six, that you're going to spend all your money on as opposed to the nine, the ten, a winger. 
to because I think you're going to need to do that to be that lockdown defensive team and sit and defend. I just don't know if anyone will commit the resources to do that in a salary cap league. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why it doesn't happen. Like like Nico's saying, I think it's going to happen other ways. You're going to have good defensive teams in different styles in this league. Yeah. Goal scoring does sell tickets. It, it, really it does. does. I yeah. mean, it sells tickets. It sells jerseys. You know, it's, it sells everything. I, <laughs> hey, I, I love a great defensive midfielder. I love a great number six. Uh, we always joked on, on soccer down here about the holding midfielders appreciation society. <laughs> but there's a reason why you have to create something like that, because guys, you know, casual fans who are going to buy those shirts and buy those tickets. They're looking for the, the number nine or the number 10 for sure. Always, always. Jason, thank you for joining us on the show here today. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, all the best uh, with, with you and everything you're doing with Atlanta United, and we hope to have you back soon, my friend. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And special thanks again to Jason Longshore for joining us on the show. Roberto, we've got a nice little uh, list of matches to go over this week, uh, especially we've got uh, Champions League back. We've got CONCACAF Champions League as well, and we've got some tasty matchups in the uh, in Europe as well. So let's kick off Tuesday. Chelsea and Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund currently leading that tie 1-0. Uh, that match is going to be Tuesday at 3 p.m. And then in the evening, we're going to have Tigres and Orlando playing in their CONCACAF Champions League match. That's going to be a late one at 10 p.m. On Wednesday, we have Bayern Munich PSG. And Spurs, Milan, both matches are 1-0, and those are both at 3 p.m. on Thursday. Roma and Real Sociedad kick off their tie in the Europa League at 12.45 p.m. Then Manchester United, Real Betis at 3 p.m. And then we're going to close with Alualense and LAFC in the CONCACAF Champions League at 10 p.m. Fast forward to Saturday in the Serie A. We'll start us off for the weekend with Napoli and Atalanta at noon. Then the big derby, Schalke and Dortmund at 12.30 p.m. in Germany. And then we fast forward to Sunday. Fulham and Arsenal in the EPL 10 a.m. Monaco Reims at noon. Athletic Club in Barcelona at 4 p.m. Don't forget to turn your clocks forward this weekend here in the United States. And we're going to close the weekend with LAFC and the New England Revolution uh, battle of two unbeaten teams very early here in the season. That's a 10.30 p.m. kickoff in MLS. So, Roberto, you have the trivia question earlier in the show, if you wouldn't mind laying it back on us. Yes, absolutely. So what we saw over the weekend, we saw Kylian Mbappe become PSG's all-time top goal scorer with his 201st goal, breaking the record of Edison Cavani, who he had become PSG's all-time top goal scorer back in 2018 in a game between Montpellier, where he surpassed Satine Rahimovic's record for his 157th goal. So my question to you was, who, how many players who were in that game, be it in the lineup as a substitute or had the potential to play as a substitute, are still at this club today? I just need a number. Bonus points if you can give me the names. So I'm going to give you a couple of names that I think are on that list. You know, I, I believe Kylian Mbappe was there at that point when that happened. Uh, I think Marco Verratti was there. I think Marquinhos was also there, just thinking back. So that's three names. I'm going to add a couple of more for good luck, and I'm going to say five. It's not five. It's four. I'm going to tell you, you already four. have some names already, so okay. you're missing one. The Kylian Mbappe one, he was at the club. But okay. he was not. He was not um, part of the of the match day squad. He was okay. actually um, injured. Okay. Um, well, we could you could put him in if you want. By all, all right. means. All right. Um, so we're missing one more name, but you got the other oh, two. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, let's see who else was there. That's there now. Was Neymar already there? 
He was there. Ah. Yep. So you got Neymar, you got Marquinhos, you got Verratti. Yep. There's one. There's one more. You say one more. Yeah. There's one more. Yeah, because we're not counting Mbappe technically. Nope. Um, Nope. There's one more. You're gonna have to give it to me. I'm drawing a blank. Center back won the World Cup. French. Oh. Um. Um. Tilo Kerr? No, he's not. No, no, no. No, he's not. I'm, I'm, uh, oh, is it, is it Kimpembe? Kimpembe, yep. Ugh. So in that game, uh, the game, the players that actually played that game actually was Kimpembe, played all 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Neymar scored twice in that game. So Cavani actually broke the record because he scored first, but Neymar actually scored twice in that game. So mm-hmm. that's two. Marquinhos came in as a substitute for someone that left uh, PSG a couple seasons ago, Thiago Silva. And Marco Verratti was on that t- side. He was a substitute, but he didn't play any minutes. So those are the four names that are still. And yeah, if you want to count Kylian Mbappe, those are the names that are still at PSG um, when Cavani broke the record and now Mbappe breaks his record. Fantastic stuff, man. Good question. All right. I've got nothing left on the list, my friend. So let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. And there we go. So. For episode 382 of Low Limit Football. Special thanks again to Jason Longshore for joining us on the show. Next week, we will look back on the MLS results. We'll also look back on Champions League and see who's advancing to the quarterfinals of the Champions League proper. So, for episode 382 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Rodrigo Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>